Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Are you somebody looking to create a life worth living in your faith, family, and career? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical advice to help pull you out of your rut into that life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in this episode, we're going to be joined by somatic coach Jay Fields. Now, what is a somatic coach? Well, a somatic coach really helps you get into the moment and mindful of what your body is doing right now so that you can use your body and your nervous system to rewire your mindset. It's really cool. This is like fake it till you make it, but on steroids and on something I could get on board with because I'm not really a fan of fake it till you make it. However, I am a big fan of shifting your mindset and using the techniques that'll help you get there. So that's what we're going to be talking about is how do you get mindful of what your body is doing right now so that you can start changing the perspective you have of the world around you. Because really, if you want to achieve your goals for the new year, mindset is going to be a very big part of that. So are habits and a bunch of other things, but my hope is that this technique would be something that helps you achieve your goals to create that life worth living. So sit back, relax, grab that notebook and a pen, unless you're driving in the snow Mageddon that's happening here in Dallas. Uh, if you're in Dallas, if you're somewhere else and it's wintertime, then great. If you're listening to this in the summer, forget everything I just said. But if you're driving, still be safe. If you're in a place where you can sit back and relax, then do that. Okay, I think I've covered all the bases here. So here we go. All right. Hey, Jay, how are things going on? You're into the, the world. I know. Super good. How are you doing, Jerry? Uh, doing well. Doing well. Uh, very energetic. I was, I was just bugging my wife. Uh, we're supposed to meet up with my daughter and her boyfriend and his family for lunch. Um, but we still haven't got word yet. So we just had a quick snack, got in here, and now we're, we're – um, well, we – I'm chatting with you. Yeah. And you and I just shook it off. We shook did it our, off. We realized we speak the same body language before <laughs> we start to record. People <laughs> are surprised that – I've been doing podcasting since 2014, and most of my career is speaking in front of audiences, mainly in a corporate setting. However, I get nervous like crazy before every single time, and my family thinks it's silly, or you know, not silly, but they, they're amazed by it because it's what I do all the time, and they're like, how can you be nervous? I'm like, how can you not? Like, Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, I still get nervous oh, yeah, all the I'm, time. I'm worried when somebody's not nervous. It's like uh they're not preparing. <laughs> they're not they're not bringing their A game. They're looking to just wing it as they go, go with the flow. They're not thinking about what's the best way to pull this off for the the audience or for somebody I'm serving and I don't know for me it's like did I remember my own name? <laughs> right. Like, uh, well, nervousness shows you care still. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that's the God thing. Like, knows. But I'm glad that we're, we got you on here because uh, you, you currently work as a somatic coach. Uh, before before we get into that, um, it, you were a yoga teacher before that for a good 20 mm-hmm. some odd years. Yeah. The thing that caught my eye because I'm an ultralight backpacker. My friend Jody Mayberry uh-huh. used to be a, a, a park ranger. And I saw really? You, yeah. Uh, I don't Hashtag know if you've met him. Job. Yeah, right. Uh, it was he left the banking world to become a park ranger, and then uh, for whatever reason he left, and now he does podcasting and public speaking. But he still works with park rangers. He has got a show oh, called cool. 
oh, what is what is this show? That's not important because we got you on here. So, <laughs> but the job that really caught my attention was that you were a contracted wilderness guide uh, for a yeah. university uh, a few years back. So multiple what? places. Yeah, I uh, I kind of had two streams of my career when I was coming out of college in my 20s. So I was a yoga teacher starting from when I was 19. And I also, yeah, I, I led backpacking um, trips. I led rock climbing trips, did all different kinds of kind of backcountry adventure sort of things. And there was that was concurrent. So I was either out in the woods or I was in the yoga studio. And um, both were were definitely informed by my interest in how being present in your body can impact your emotional and and mental health in positive ways, uh, and particularly being in nature. Man, uh, my my love for going camping and backpacking specifically really stemmed out of the army. So I was in the army, oh. and you know, being out in the woods, being out in wilderness sounds cool. Except you know, you don't get to enjoy it because. The whole like, soldier thing no. is you're on guard duty. So at sunrise, instead of watching the sunrise, you got to look at the horizon to see if there are bad guys. At right. sunset, instead of looking at the sun setting, you got to look at the horizon for bad guys. Uh, and then every other time, you're pretty much just looking for bad guys. And, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what if I went out there and challenged myself and I didn't have to look for bad guys? And, and so I, I went on my first trip and I was able to look out at a pond while I was hanging from a hammock in a tree. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. Um, I like this. And then I did another trip where I was looking down at a river while in a hammock. I'm like, okay, I'm liking the hammock thing. And this, this water view thing is like growing on me, but it's in Texas during the summer, always hot. Ooh, uh, not so pleasant. Yeah. It's such good medicine for your nervous system to just be in a place where it's natural sounds and, and, and not all the screens and, you know, distractions that we have. Oh yeah. And getting out there and just unplugging, not having cell service. I love it. And then I get aware of how much I'm addicted to my device because I can be in the middle of nowhere at Big Bend National Park, for example. And I'm trying to get on you know social media and I'm like, why is this not working? Oh yeah. I'm 15 miles away from the nearest cell phone tower. <laughs> this is, this is yeah, it. This is me. Amen for that. Right. <laughs> Oh man. And then I come back recharged. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm yeah. ready to, what did I miss? Oh, not much. Okay, good. Let's, let's get back to the world. Um, now I just thought that was really cool. And, and so I, I could see where that goes hand in hand with your work as a yoga instructor. And, and now you, you work as a somatic coach, which I'm familiar with the term psychosomatic, where if you think sure. so negatively about something, it starts to make you feel sick. Uh, this sounds like this is in the reverse. Like if you're not feeling well, you get movement going. To get your mind also. Ah, interesting. I've never had someone link psychosomatic with somatic coaching. That I totally oh, get neat. how you got there. Um, yeah, soma is the Greek word for body. Um, so somatic coaching simply means we very much incorporate the experience of the body and physical sensations and what you notice in the, in the present moment while you're talking about something. Um, and then help the client develop resources in their body as opposed to, you know, we think about traditional therapy or coaching as being like understanding a concept or, or being able to change your your um, mental conception of something and that creates healing or growth. But this is about changing yourself at the level of your embodied awareness and experience, which, you know, 
for those people out there who are, are brain geeks, they they know that there's you know information that passes between body and brain and brain and body, and eighty percent of it goes from your body to your brain. Only twenty percent goes from brain to body. So when we're looking at wanting to change thoughts and beliefs and long held kind of patterns that we're in, if we're if we're only using the circuit that communicates twenty percent, it works. But why not go for the one that is communicating 80% of the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. It's almost like we, we take the Pareto, Pareto principle to the, the body level in a sense where it's the, the 20 that we think is getting this 80%. I, I'm sure I'm using right. the wrong model here, but. <laughs> well, you, I, I know what you're alluding yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, somatic coaching. It draws upon like how much intelligence we have in our body and how much of our um, personality and behavior that we think of as just who we are is actually influenced at the level of our nervous system and how we then experience what our nervous system communicates to us via our body. I mean, right before, you know, we were talking about our shaking and yeah. and you mentioned your, your sweaty palms. And I know for me, I get like kind of like the cold clammy thing when I get nervous. And all of that is part of the nervous system going, oh, so this is, we're in a little bit of a situation here. It feels like it's kind of threatening and we're just going to create some, you know, that's where the stress response comes out. And and most of the time we ignore that or we try and get, think our way out of it. And that works kind of, except when it doesn't. And and that's where somatic coaching comes in. Yeah. And and that makes sense. Well, I saw part of your, your course on LinkedIn where you mentioned even in stressful moments, you know, somebody might have training in a conflict management model like crucial conversations or fierce conversations. And we might have that awareness of lizard brain versus the rational side. But right. in the heat of the moment that we just go to what we know and we act out anyway, despite knowing better. And and uh, and so I was like, oh, that caught, that caught my attention in hearing this. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So our, our, our physiological response in a way can override in a lot of ways. Oh gosh, yeah. so much, so much, which is why I, many of my clients uh, who've come to me for coaching have been in therapy or, or other forms of coaching for sometimes decades and they know better. They really, really, really do. They have all the mental awareness and self, self-awareness and they're still doing the old behaviors. And that's because in those moments where the nervous system takes over and puts you into a stress response, what you know in your really smart brain just doesn't come into play. Old, um, All of your old strategies for survival come into play. And when we say strategies for survival, we're not talking about like being able to run fast. We're talking about things like people pleasing, right? And um, being, being the good boy or the good girl or good person. You know, that sense of like, if I, if I just do this, then I'll be safe. Mm. And that's where we default to. Wow. That, yeah, I could see that. I mean, our army training a lot of times would put you in the state of, you know, what you would experience in that situation. Yes. So it's like, why did the drill sergeant yell at you so much? Uh, it's because you're going to feel stress in combat. So they get to that stress level and then they teach you the stuff that you're going to do, all the muscle memory type of things. So Absolutely. They, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of a client who is retired Navy and um, she's been trying to work out how her stress responses in in civilian life are really go towards the fight response because mm-hmm. that was what she was trained you know if if 
if you're in combat and you feel this kind of threat, you want to respond with force and with you know, and and it comes out now in her work in nonprofits, and she's oh, like, wow. ah, I don't like this. I don't like that. I come out with this like, you know, super gruff voice, or where she's willing to kind of mm, not willing to, but what happens is she she'll show more anger than she wants to, and it and it disrupts trust and relationships. And it's again, it's what you've been trained to do. We all have been trained to do something, and it's what comes out. Yeah. In the military culture and in combat situations, we all understand that, you know, we get yelled at. It's not permanent. It's not. It's like in that moment, we have to let that command override mm. everything else. And that kind of just breaks through all the noise. But yeah, in yeah. the civilian world, it's the one thing that probably gets military veterans fired from leadership roles <laughs> more than sure. anything else, uh, because it does not work out there. But under stress, that's what we'll go to. Like, get off your blah, 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 blah. And you're, you're like, Absolutely. you don't talk yeah. to us that way. And it's like. Right or wrong, that person is gone because they yeah. broke some decorum and so on. And, uh, and so what are some of the things that people can do somatically to to override? I, I think I got the analogy I was thinking of now. It, it's like when you're lifting something, you want to lift with your legs, not your back, because the legs are the bigger muscles. They're the uh, more powerful yeah. one. Right. Now I got it. Now I can go to right. sleep at night tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Check>. <laughs> I'm like, what was the thing I was going for? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, somatically. So we're, you know, we've talked about. You know, under stress, we're going to go to our defaults. Uh, we've got all this training that helps us talk through issues, manage conflict, maybe manage ourselves emotionally. But sometimes that's that's going to get overridden. And so what are some of the techniques we can do where we are using the body, the 80% to mm-hmm. communicate to the brain? Like, how do we well, do Well, in that? order to do that, first, most people, myself included, need just some basic um to use your metaphor, like reps, like some just really easy things to get in touch with their body. Because I don't know about you, but I live in my head a lot and it takes practice to get out of my head. And so, you know, checking in throughout the day with little little things like right now, can you feel um, where your body touches the chair that's supporting you? Oh, wow. Can you, right? Like notice is for me, my legs are crossed. So my left leg is touching my chair. My right leg isn't. And my back is touching more on the left side than on the right side. And it seems like a very small awareness to have, but suddenly I'm back in a body when I can do that. Or it's, you know, feeling your feet on the ground or noticing the temperature of your hands. Are they warm? Are they cool? Are they dry? Or are they sweaty? Um, noticing your energy level. Um, noticing if you can feel the places where your clothing touches your, your skin. Um, so stuff like that where you just give yourself um, a check-in every once in a while, like what is my body feeling like in this moment? Because without that bit of information, you don't have any connection whatsoever. From there, once you have connection, um, you might find that you have unpleasant feedback, right? You might find, oh, my energy level is buzzing. I feel like I'm an 11 out of a 10 right now and it's unpleasant. So then you use that as information for like, like we did at the beginning. Maybe it's shaking. Maybe it's getting up. And for me, I'm I'm a big, I love checking the mail in the middle of the day because it's like, oh, I get to get up from my desk. I get to go outside. I get to take a couple big gulps of air. I get to smell what's happening in nature and um, like things that are there to dissipate physical sensation. Because when we live only in our head, we get all this built up sensation from our neck down and whether it's that revved 11 out of 10 or whether it's 
um, more like the kind of withdrawn or numb or turtle in a shell sort of thing, that sensation influences behavior and how we think about ourselves, how we think about other people, how we think about the world. And if you're not aware on just some basic levels of kind of um, where are you on that scale of one to 10 and how do you get back to a five? Because in my mind, the five is regulated. That's your nervous system in that kind of balanced homeostasis where you're alert, but not hyper, you know, and you're um, kind of in your in your zone, as it were, at your best. Wow. I'm thinking of all the times where uh, either I was on jury duty or uh, on a project and the project leader or the judge said, you know, let's let's take a recess. Let's take 15 minutes uh, and usually at a heated moment or a stressful right. moment uh, and, and just to get away from where we are and, and get away from that setting because of all the yeah. tension and stress that's built up there. And then when you come back, you recharge. You're like, all right, I'm ready to tackle this. Or, you know, two people might have been butting heads in that project meeting. And all of a sudden after a break, they come together and they're like, hey, you know, I was thinking during the break about your point of view, and I think that that might work. And the other person's like, "Oh, I was coming back in to yell at you while you're dumb." And right, right. I agree with you. That is, Let's give, yeah. That is such a great example, Jerry, of uh, polyvagal theory and oh, okay. and w- how that works. So the quick, the quick and dirty on polyvagal theory is that uh, it's it's about the nervous system, how it works. Vagal response, the vagus nerve corresponds, excuse me, to vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in our body. It goes through our face and our neck, chest, and down into our gut. And um, the theory basically states that our nervous system has three major functions, not two. Because we used to think of mobilize in terms of like fight, flight, right? Or immobilize in terms of freeze. So those are responses to I feel in danger, I feel in threat. That makes sense. It's how we keep keep ourselves safe and survive. But a man came around in the 70s and his name is Stephen Porges, and he discovered that there's this third major function, which is social engagement. And when our nervous system is not getting signs of danger or threat, when it feels safe, it can go into what's called social engagement. And in that place, we are more likely to say, hey, I've been thinking about this and I have a different way of seeing this. Can we talk about it? We're more likely to see possibilities. We have more access to the part of our brain that's about communication and and curiosity and creativity, we can connect. And the, all those things don't live in the mobilized or the immobilized place. They only live in social engagement, which is why it's so important to be able to read what your body feels like throughout the day. Because if you feel either mobilized or immobilized, you don't have access to that that range where you can be socially engaged and connect with another human being in a way that you feel good about. Oh, wow. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, it's it's I think polyvagal theory is so freaking cool because it really does take out a lot of the stigma we have around our behavior. You know, if if my nervous system is in that rev place, I'm not going to be a very pleasant person to be around. I'm going to be talking fast, I'm going to be multitasking probably, I'm going to be sh- quick-tempered, I'm going to be short. And if I'm like that a lot of the time, because of my nervous system feeling the stress response, I'm going to just start thinking, well, I'm just kind of a jerk, right? It like that's of, just kind yeah. of part of my personality, but it isn't. It's what my brain and person does in response to this very 
clear signal it's getting from my body. And if we can understand that and learn how to change the channel, we do get to come back to one of the things I say um, about my work is when people ask me what I do, I say, I help people like who they are in their relationships. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that is amazing. That's what it is. Yeah. Like if I'm mobilized or immobilized, I don't really have a good experience of me around you. Yeah. Oh, man. And that's a pain point for most people, whatever the specific flavor of that is, you know? Yeah. I've uh, oftentimes I've told my daughter or even my wife, uh, and when somebody's been a total jerk to them, you know, out in public or in a group setting, I'm like, you know, they're knowing you, uh, they're not really describing you or lashing out at you or reflecting like your character. It, it, it sounds almost like they're showing you what they feel about themselves. You know, the, the things that they're saying, the things they're projecting, um, the way they're coming at this situation are a lot of what's going on within them as opposed to what you actually brought to the situation yeah. or that scenario. And I, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Clicking. How we experience ourselves influences the way we see other people for sure and the world, the way yeah. we read it. And yeah. so when we see that we're in that heightened state where we're not engaging well socially, uh, is it that same process of being aware of where your body is, you know, touching the clothes and, and, you know, what you're feeling physically that also helps recenter you in a sense? Yeah. Yeah. It can, it can be that it's the, you know, um, get up, move around, go splashing water on your face. Uh, you can, anything that helps you stimulate your throat, since the vagus nerve goes through your throat, the part of your vagus nerve that is associated with social engagement goes through your throat and face, like, humming yeah making oh, wow. sound doing a wow 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 you know like just stimulating your your the vibration is just a little bit of a way of mm, kind of tuning your nervous system a little bit so you know it's you're not about let's say if you're at a 10 of a 10, 10 out of 10 and you're aiming for five which would be regulated you're not necessarily by getting up and shaking your arms or or um toning your voice you're not trying to get all the way back to a five what you're trying to do is get to a nine and then an eight like eventually because what you're this is about building trust with yourself that if you're in a certain state you know how to move out of it and we have this many of us are perfectionistic and we feel like in order for this to me to be good at this and me to be doing this right i have to be completely out of this state but it really matters and it really counts if you can just dial it back a little bit because that sends your brain the message, hey, you have control over this. This is not running you. You're running it. Another thing that I always tell people, though, that's part of this um, using your body as a tool to kind of help you regulate your nervous system is learning how to actually soothe yourself when it comes to your emotions because our emotions are... Um, how we read certain physical sensations, right? If I get hot and tight, I'm going to read that as probably I'm angry. If I get that like turny feeling in my stomach, I'm going to read that as I'm nervous. So we have sensations that we then turn into, an, you know, a mental concept of an emotion. And most of us ignore them or talk to ourselves about them in a mean way. Like, you know, Jay, if you weren't such a wimp about this, you wouldn't be feeling that way or buck up or, you know, just ignore it, keep going. So another way that we can really um, help regulate our nervous system is two things. One, naming the feeling we're having. Uh, there's a famous line by Dan Siegel, name it to tame it. Oh, wow. If yeah. I can say, 
you know, if I can feel that tightness in my throat and that heat in my body and I can name to myself, I am angry right now. It actually helps to um, bring the part of the brain together that is has higher thinking with the part of the brain that's having the emotion. And that helps to regulate yourself. So naming the feeling to yourself and then, and this is the kicker, this is like the, this is the game changer. Offering yourself some empathy for how you feel. And the best shortcut I've ever learned about this comes from uh, the woman named Sarah Payton. She's an, she, she's an author and she uses the t- two words, of course, as in, of course, I feel this way. So, right? You just smiled at me. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> right. There's, a, there's like a sweetness to that. Like, you don't have to like the way you feel. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to think this is great. But you can say, of course, as in, I'm about to get in front of a microphone and speak to a lot of people. I'm nervous. Of course I'm nervous. I care about how this comes out. I care about how I serve people. Like that suddenly makes your your feeling make sense to you. And our brains really like that. It's calming. It's like, oh, this isn't dissonant. This doesn't, you know, when things don't make sense, that makes us like, yeah. But if you can make it make sense to you, um, it really helps to dial the the intensity back stay with us we'll be right back and now let's talk about how you can use cap show to repurpose and market your content if you have a business like me you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or youtube videos into cap show and it will create all your content marketing assets for you and here's the coolest part cap show is more than just a robotic ai tool It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. I like that. And like while you're talking about this, I'm thinking through my life of like, key like social clashes and arguments I've had where I was very upset by a chain of events that led up to that moment of explosive anger. Um, to even where you know, one of them, um, my wife doesn't listen to this, uh, but yeah. I had an argument with my, my father-in-law uh, a few months ago. And of course he's like, I didn't see why he got so mad. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course not. Because, you know, thinking through this now, I'm like, of course he didn't see why I got mad. Yeah, I didn't see the, you know, he doesn't see where I got upset because he was basically demanding my grown up daughter that she has to call him and made her feel guilty for not calling him for the last five years. It's like, you're a grown man. You could do it too. Like all that was going on in my head already. Um, mm-hmm. And then he went on and fat shamed my wife. And then he went on and, um, like made fun of our religious faith. And then he made fun of some other things and all this within a two hour window where my wife said, be nice to him. And of course I'm like, no, the guy clearly is mistaking my, my being nice for weakness. And so finally I was just like, I was mad. I'm like, you know what? I got to go for a walk. And I threw something down and then he got upset with something I had said to him. And then he stood up to fight. I was like, Oh my gosh, Oh, we're really doing this. Um, and then of course we didn't fight, but I, I still walked out and, and live like she said, Jerry, go, go for a walk. And I was like, okay. And so I went for a walk and, and I'm still upset. I'm like, but why was I upset? You know, that that's not the me I want to be. That's not, I mean, that was me cause it came out, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not 
what I want to be known for. It's not what I want. It's not how I want to treat people. And so I was already asking myself these questions. And then, um, you know, you know, why was he like that? Well, he, he kind of really doesn't know better. Like the guy has a lot of trouble with relationships to begin with. Mm-hmm. This is why <laughs> he says and does these things yeah. and no one's ever said anything to him about it because everybody says around him, just be nice to him. And so he just keeps doing yeah. it. And this is probably the first time in his 70 some odd years, somebody actually said something to him. Yeah. Yeah. It may not be true. Might He's might've been told a few more times, but um, yeah. So he, he, he wound up leaving and he went home many, many miles away and, and Liv shared with me that they also talked after I, you know, I left the, the place and like, these were all new discoveries for him. Like, Oh, I didn't realize he had this going on that he had that going on that this was a sore spot to talk about and here i am making fun of it and um and and he he realized where he'd push buttons and um well it's interesting in your in your example there um which is a powerful example of like when things get really emotional and intense in a in a in a family system where that feels high stakes um your example though is you having empathy for him and you being able to say, of course, he feels this way. Like, I understand why he would be acting that way. And this is what happens with my clients a lot is we're used to being empathic for other people. We be, we can, even when we're upset, especially those of us who have um, the, maybe the strategy of, or like the, the tendency to be the, the good person or the people pleaser, we will very easily go to, I'm going to understand that person. But to be able to go to, I'm going to understand me and I'm going to offer myself empathy, this sense of, um, of course, I feel this way. Of course, that was, I imagine that you were angry at times. I also imagine you were scared, right? This is, this is uh, a high stakes situation or here's this person in front of you who's really upset. So for you to be able to afterwards go for the walk and go, what was that like for me? And then I often imagine it as like hand on heart, like, of course, of course, that's how that was for me. And there's just this, like a sweet kind of visceral, it's many times people want to analyze, like, why do I feel this way? But that's different. It's a very heady thing than it is to go, of course, I feel this way. There's like an acceptance piece of, oh, sweetie, of course. (laughs) Why would you feel any other way? Yeah. And that's the aha moment for me that, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I probably still would have, you know, I mean, he was gone by the time I got home. Um. But, you know, in the moment, even, you know, if I'd you know, been able to take that time to say, oh, of course, I'm feeling mad and upset about these things. You know, I, I didn't. You know, I was like, no, he's wrong. <laughs> and bam, uh, gate Brace. closed. Uh, this is my house. Get out. And, and so like, <laughs> that was part of like my rationale and a big part of it, because I mean, my wife and I talked for days, like, are you sure you didn't do anything? I was like, oh, no, I, I'm sure I said some mean things. Um and this is where I was coming from, but it was, again, it was very heady. There was a lot of justification to it. Uh, there was sympathy for him. There was some empathy, uh, but again, not empathizing for myself. Like, of course, yeah. I felt this way. You know, I was defending my daughter. Right. Um, you know, I was defending my wife. Uh, I was defending our faith. I was defending, uh, you know, the respect he should have for us as we've been extending to him. You know, uh, the only fear I might have had was the relationship between Olivia and her dad, you know, like if, mm-hmm. if I do blow up at this guy, he's the kind of guy who's going to go back to being a hermit and mm-hmm. blame us for it the rest of his life. And, and, uh, and that would break my wife's heart. And, and so I, was yeah. like, I don't want to do that to her. And, and it wound up happening. And, 
you know, it, it put her in a spot where she really had to think through like, so what, what is healthy for her going forward? And, and, um, yeah, so, yeah, that was a, that was no, a- these are the sort of situations that come up all the time with clients. And a big part of our work together is it's kind of, um, there's kind of three parts to how I work with people. The first part is being able to have a connection to your physical body. So, you know, when you are getting dysregulated and you can do something about it. The second part of the work is really unpacking what were some of the um, messages and ways you got trained to be a quote unquote good person, right? So these are the things that started in childhood that are around, hey, this doesn't feel good to me. I don't feel safe. I feel a little threatened. So I'm going to take on this strategy so I can manage that. So for many of us, that's things like people pleasing or being being the smartest person in the room or whatever you learned is going to make you be okay, because that's part of unpacking behavior. And then the third part of the work that I do with people is language, and particularly learning the new language of relating, because most of us are used to being in strategy, because the strategy is what we, what our nervous system being dysregulated sets off a strategy. That's how we tend to be with one another. And if we're going to get out of that strategy, it actually sounds wholly different how we speak. And so a big part of what I do with people then is taking situations like this and going back and working with, okay, if you could have stayed regulated in that moment and you didn't go into um, your training to be a fighter or you didn't go into your training to be a, a, a people pleaser, what could you have said that was very true and also kind and in, in alignment with who you know yourself to be? And this is where it comes around to so much of what I do with people is about helping them match their insides to their outsides. Mm, that I love that. How I know myself to be on the inside and what my experience is, is, is what matches how I present myself in the world. Because that matching is wholeness and health. That not matching creates the anxiety and social anxiety we feel around other people. When we feel like what's arising inside of us doesn't match what's being what's expected of us based upon our training Mm -hmm. and and so that's where i kind of help people dismantle um that that training might have felt like what it is what kept you safe all these years but it's also what keeps you out of alignment between your insides and your outsides oh i see i think i see (laughs) yeah it, it can be a little esoteric um in the way it comes across yeah and so it's, um, in a sense, the, the training that is the conditioning that it seems to have worked for so long because it's what got us to this point. But yeah. it, there are moments, if not a lot of moments, there are at least some moments where that training or that frame of mind or that approach is not working for us. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll give you an example from me. I definitely got the training that um, it's my responsibility to make sure other people are comfortable. I do not get to make another person uncomfortable. That was like ingrained in me as a kid, which turns me into people pleaser, which then leads to I have no boundaries, right? Because if I set a boundary with you, that's going to upset you and then you're going to be uncomfortable and I can't do that. Unspoken rule. But what that leads to is an adult life where I feel like, hey, what about me? Come on. You know, like there's the, oh, I'm just going to be so easygoing and do whatever you need. But inside I'm like, come on. You know, and it builds resentment or it builds just this um, apathy, like whatever, it's going to be your way anyway. Can you see what I mean? Yeah. So 
there's this, you know, for for me and for many of my clients, the the insides, the value is I I value me and I and I I want to have a life that feels true to me. But the behavior is based upon the old training, which is, but if you're gonna do what feels good to you, Jay, and what's true for you, it's gonna make Jerry uncomfortable so you can't do it. So there's like the un you gotta untangle the um the belief system first and then be able to work at the level of your nervous system because if I do say, hey Jerry, I'm actually gonna need to set a boundary with you, talk about scared, talk about nervous. My my nervous system is gonna be like red alert, red alert, <laughs> you cannot do this will cause danger. Right? Like so I'm gonna have to learn how to be able to manage my nervous system so I can change my behavior. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to have that awareness first. And then I, that's the beauty of having a playback, right? I can listen really like, yes, yeah, exactly. I did get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm also thinking about like, you know, a, a typical male response, especially in relationships, like when there's a, a clash happening between the partners, um, whether it's husband and wife, uh, two significant others. Um, where was I going with that question? Oh, uh, the the tendency for for men to shut down that that's the thing that that comes up a lot. That there was a conflict yeah. between the the partners and the husband shut down and isn't talking now for hours. Um, right, and that that to me sounds like a trained response of some kind. Um, yep. So in terms of the nervous system, that would be an immobilization response. That's mm. like the turtle in the shell. Like, okay, I'm just going to disconnect, and you can't get to me. Um, that usually. This is kind of a classic line from therapy, but you show me a man who shuts down and I'll show you a man who had an intrusive parent, mm. usually a mother, right? Like it's like if if they need space and the person just keeps coming at them, they're going to just disconnect entirely. And this is a common theme that I see in the couples I work with, whether it's the man doing it, the woman doing it, same sex couples, whatever it is, there's a sense of if you're going to just keep coming at me but we have to talk now or or you know like and I'm not in that place I and I can't actually be in my present present in my body and communicate because one way to say that would be you know what I'm feeling overwhelmed right now right now can you give me 20 minutes and then I'll be able to talk to you but that only happens if you can catch the sensation happening in your body regulate yourself enough to not be the turtle in the shell to then be able to communicate in a way like, hey, this isn't working for me, but I want to talk with you. Can we do this differently? Man. So it's it's slowing things down a little bit. Yeah. And you probably just add another 20 years to my marriage. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's something that's taken a long time for me personally to, to get around and, and I still don't always do it. And uh, But, you know, 22 years, my wife has gotten much better at he needs that space because she used to actually say, no, we got to talk about this now. And I'm like, I'm not oh, ready for to. Sure. Like, they, like they walk from room to room. Yes. Like, and yes. I'm like, why are oh. you doing this? And yeah. this yeah, is like yeah. our first few years of marriage. And eventually we, when things did calm down, there was one time where she explained like, why can't you just talk this through? And I'm like, mm-hmm. when I'm at that state, I'm not even thinking in words. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking in growls, grunts, and emotion. And I don't know how to bring that all together. And I need yes. time to come off of that 
so that my yeah, brain reengages and I, I remember words again. And she's right. like, that's, she's like, that's so weird. I'm like, for you, yes, for me, it's all I've <laughs> ever known. And, well, uh, and so now, you know, fast forward to, you know, year 21, 22, anytime we've had some kind of frustration or disagreement, she just lets me do my own thing for a good little- 20, 30 minutes. Now, the moment I rear my head out, She's not going to let me get away with, so he's how on. are things? What's up, bro? You know, none of that. Like, we have Good. that talk. So she knows, like, okay, he's he's ready. And yeah. so we'll have a conversation. And uh, and she still puts at the tail end because she's got hope for me that um, she's like, you know, I'd love for you to get to a place where you can talk this out instead of just storming off to your room or you know, my, my home office, is my room. Uh, and And I'm like, yeah, someday we'll get there. <laughs> Thank you for yeah, your patience. And you know what? You yeah. might not, but you might be able to get to the place of saying, I'm overwhelmed right now. Give me 20 minutes. That'd be a huge win. Yeah. Right? It, it probably surprise her, though. storming off. Yeah. She might, Pardon me? I said, that might surprise her, though. She might think I got taken over by an alien or something. And, oh, my gosh. Like, she might just <laughs> grab you right there and give you a kiss, and then right? you're no longer fighting. She'd be like, what? Where did that come from? And we're no longer empty nesters. No. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Now, before we go, if people want to reach out to you and say, man, this is deep. I need to, yeah. you know, I need this for my own life. How can people reach out to you, Jay? My website is the best way to do that. It's j-fields.com. So j-y-f-i-e-l-d-s.com. And if you do the backslash join, that's how you get on my newsletter, which is where I send out uh, weekly kind of tips and stories based on this, how it plays out. And um give links to my courses. That's all on my website too. I have four courses on LinkedIn learning and that's a great place to start with some of the basics around um, embodied self-awareness. How do you get there? Polyvagal theory. What do you? How do you actually make your own plan for regulating your nervous system? And then I have a course on confidence and a course on expressing needs. Oh, wow. Dun, dun, dun. Sounds like I got a Whenever I tell people take. the four courses I have and what they're on, they're like, ah, uh, I need that. I'm like, yeah, pretty much every human needs these courses. So that's a great place to start. Awesome. Fantastic. And then before we go, any final words of wisdom? Oh my gosh. Words of wisdom. Um, I, I like started thinking of something jokingly in my head. <laughs> you sound like me. me. <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking like, never have a hard conversation when you're hungry. <laughs> that was the first, because it's almost lunchtime. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't think well when I'm hungry. Words of wisdom. Um, I would say based on what we've been talking about, it's uh, building a relationship of trust with yourself requires that you be in your body. So start finding the ways that you can feel even for 10 seconds at a time that you've got a body again, because this is how you start to inhabit yourself in a way that feels that you get to be at home in yourself. Awesome. I love that. Jay, I'm glad we got to have this conversation yeah uh, we planned this months ago folks so months. uh and then we looked up we're like oh wow it's now it's <laughs> so i love that look forward to staying in touch with you and yeah. uh, I, I got a couple more courses to sign up for on linkedin there so thank you so much sweet thanks jerry Now, I hope you got a lot out of that conversation like I did, and I would love to hear from you. What did you apply from this conversation with Jay? Now, if you want some more resources like that course she mentioned, I think she mentioned a couple of them, uh, just check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 402. There you'll find links to her website, her LinkedIn courses, and a few other resources to help you 
change your mindset and achieve those goals so that you create a life worth living in your faith, family, and career. Now, if you liked this episode, the best way you could pay me back is to pay it forward. So just hit the share button on however you're listening to this right now and share this on your social media. Maybe send it directly to a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. Just share it. Get the word out there. Why keep it to yourself? And what kind of jerk are you? Don't, don't be that guy. Share it with somebody you think would really find some value in this and help change their lives. I'm not saying I'm the, the end-all be-all for you. Uh, I'm just saying that I like to bring together people who are brilliant. A lot of them are smarter than me, and they help me grow as well as my listeners. So pay it forward, share this with somebody you know, and at the same time, while you're doing that, or after you do that, go live life beyond the rut, guys. And I'll see you on the next episode. Take care, guys. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.